right. Hey, good morning, church. So good to have everyone with us here today. I want to say good morning out to our Stone Canyon and Verdigris campuses, everybody online. Good to have you with us. If you're a first-time guest with us today, especially, I uh, want to welcome you here. And I know we have some family, kind of Thanksgiving leftovers, <laughs> still here. So, um, hey, we're, we're glad that you're here and uh, are willing to be seen with your family members that go to church here. Um, hey, um, we've been in this series, uh, actually... <laughs> Uh, it's just a two-part series, First World Pro- uh, Problems, and uh, so if you missed us a couple of weeks ago when Jared kicked us off uh, in this uh, series, uh, may you need to go pick, uh, pick the contentment. Um, here's, here's the thing, we, we live, uh, we're blessed to live in a place, uh, all right, uh, it, it has been, uh, it can be described as a prolific abundance, right? I mean, it's... Uh, you don't have places, go into a third world country and find a place where you realize very quickly, and student minister, I always love to take our students down into, into Mexico, just to help them realize reality, what lifestyle they have and how different it is. Uh, uh, though we live in a place that is, could be described in such a way, uh, people, right? So much so that we complain about the things that are less in the world, and that's where we get that whole idea of first world problems. This week, I mean, somebody this morning, we were talking in the, in the back about, uh, thank, you know, oh, I got like sick from eating so much food, you know, it's like, okay, how many people in the world would love, we're, we are gorging ourselves on it, you know, and so, so we, sometimes we just kind of take it in and, and just think, well, this, this is the way the whole and so that's why we kind of wanted to talk about and have this series, kind of open our eyes up to recognize the blessed life that we do have and, and to look at how Jesus and God has called us to live in this contentment because that was one of the things Jesus talked a lot about on, on a number of occasions. Paul did as well, just living a content life, not always being bigger, better, and more. So today what we're going to be talking about is generosity. Generosity, and, and what I think is, is somewhat the antidote to contentment. Uh, uh, it tends to begin to get our eyes off of our wants and desires in this world. Now, uh, probably every one of us could get up here and t- talk about generosity. And it's fun to be a recipient of generosity, right? You know, uh, it's good at times uh, whenever we are a recipient of generosity. But think about a time that really kind of marked us. Whenever something may be in something significant, it may not have been, but, but maybe you can think of a story that just kind of sticks with you. I remember whenever I was in Morrison schools over north of Stillwater, my first couple years of school, and a particular day, and, and this particular day happened to be my birthday, and I, I remember her as being in high school, um, but grade, you know, um, all I remember is a girl older than me came and sat next to me on the bus, you know, and then she handed me a card. I opened the card, and, and inside she had taped a bunch of quarters. Earl, I don't remember her name. I, all I remember, it's seared in my mind, this girl who took, a t- took the time to give me some money, and, and then it's kind of, and here I am almost 40 years later, and I, I still go, why? Why did she do that? This simple little, but it made an impression. I didn't understand it back then, and I still really don't understand it today. That simple story. Being here at First Church, I've been of uh, a number of times, 
people being told the story of our Wyoming adventure family vacation and, and the Lowe family who changed the course of their vacation to bring us another vehicle. I remember that. It just blew me away. And other families that helped in that, you know, here we're stuck in Wyoming and our church family with us. Remember whenever we bought our expedition, Ford that the frame was bent beyond being able to be repaired. Blew the... And gave us enough money to be able to stay on budget and get it fixed and we're blown away once again and just still from time to time just people they like, find a need and that's the kind of ch- and it's not just that i'm the recipient but but you look at our dollar drives this year i mean the the dollar drives that we've done and sent of of giving that has come in towards those because you're there's a this church and that's one of the things i i love about this church things that we are we're called to in a church. Even this, this summer, you've heard me talk. Jaden and I have been involved in rebuilding his uh, Jeep, and it's been this big LED off-road lights hooked up. He's like, through this whole adventure, there's been these guys that have just been coming out to the shop with us, church, and they're just, they're just some, some mornings they would, here's several of them, and, and uh, my father-in-law, Jaden's papa out there, and just the amount of time these guys poured into helping us get this Jeep going again. It's just generosity. It's what we're called to. Whether it be what God has called us to, God has an expectation that we would... Here's, here's the statement I want you to, to grab a hold of today, and it says, a generous in the lives of others. A generous life makes a difference in the life of others. And we want to be people who make a difference. God wants difference in this world. But when we're so focused on our sister, the next big thing, and this is the season of racing after, telling you what you need next. <laughs> and when we get focused on those things, we tend to lose sight of what God is. Moore was a professor of mine at Ozark. Now he's a minister down in Arizona. And just this week, I, I saw this uh, comment that he made. It says this, God but in funnels. I like that. Not in buckets, but in... It's not because God loves you, but because He trusts you. When God blesses us, we're, we're not just a bucket to just receive and keep it, but a funnel that God blesses and it passes through to other people. That's what God intends for us in this life. In First uh, Timothy chapter 6, Paul has been... Uh, I mean, a lot of uh, uh, direction as he's trying to lead his struggles. And it, it, you come to the very end, and he has words, some final commands for a specific group of people within the church. First Timothy chapter 6, starting verse 17. Let's just read this together. It says this, As for the rich, body, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, generous, and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for that they may take hold of that which is truly life. A little bit of context here. Uh, again, Timothy's in the, uh, trying to help a church, lead this church that's been struggling, different things causing disunity in the church. And Ephesus, this city, was a very prominent uh, and commercials, and, and also on a major uh, uh, river, on the, a lot of commerce in this city, a lot of wealth in this city, and therefore you would have a lot of 
wealth in the church, rich. And so, specifically, now we might ask this question, well, okay, so who's rich? As for the rich in this present age, okay, well, many in the church then could be into that, that category. And so, for us today, as we look at this present age, who would be? Now, we, of course, would begin to look at, you know, you know, there's more billionaires ever today. You know, those are the... Yeah, yeah, they're, they're rich. If we look at people, this present age, on a global community, communities that we're in, but if, and ask that question, we might have a different take. In a world of the people live on $2 a day or less, maybe we need to recategorize who's rich to this message today that would not be in the category of standards. And so when Paul is addressing Timothy and he and, and through Timothy is addressing the rich, I would say he's every one of us, we would be in this category. Paul's final words in this letter to Timothy. And so he begins by giving some commands. And the first several commands he gives are commands on what? Don't do this. And he starts by saying, don't be haughty. He doesn't say don't be a haughty. I know some of you struggle with that one. All right. Come on today. Come on. No. He says, don't be haughty. All right. As better than others. As well, when he says, and I saw on this hill, since my eyes have ever been seen, the fools that I saw were none other than you, who seem to have nothing else better to do than sit here and argue. Who's better than it's foolish to argue over who's better? Eyes that everything we have, whether it's much or loan from God, is for us to look down on others. Because they don't have than us. We probably take carrying around buckets, right? Trying to store up all the things that God has given us. And we do go into this, uh, I've got more in my bucket than you've got in your But we're not supposed to live that way. We're supposed to live like funnels generously to others. Don't be haughty. Don't look down on others. Similar to what Paul said over in Philippians chapter 2. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count yourselves. The NIV says, value others above yourselves. Don't look down on others. And especially don't look down on others just because they have less than you. The second command, hope on the uncertainty of riches. The uncertainty of riches. Worry about the theologian John Wesley. At one point, uh, a man came to John Wesley and and uh, jumped off the horse and ran to him and and just distraught, yelled out at him. What happened? Your house burned to the ground. And the news that he just received, and and then his reply was, "No, the Lord's house burned to the ground. That means one less response." He has a good mindset, John Wesley did, on the things of this world. It wasn't set on the house and all of his possessions. And that's where, where our heart 
It's like Paul over in Philippians chapter 4 when he talked about contentment. He says that he had learned the secret of contentment, whether he had a lot or whether he had li- His heart wasn't set on, his hope wasn't set on all the end world. That's, I think, probably why Jesus over in Luke chapter 12, verse 15, your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not his possessions. Isn't it to acquire more and more and more and and what he is, but it is so uncertain, it is so shaky. But maybe you've discovered that the more you acquire, it's almost like the more stress that you put on because you know it's uncertain. You know the house can burn down. You know the job can go away. You know that the stocks can drop. You know that. Possessions can be stolen. You, you know that. And so it's to control and protect and keep it, right? Warns us, be on our guard. Bigger and better. And it's not wrong, but if that's your hope, if that's where your heart is, then you're on shaky ground. And you can tell how tightly, by the way they re- react when they're gone. So don't, don't, Everything that we have is on loan from God. Don't set your hope on the things that is uncertain. Those are the first two negative commands of what to do. Look at verse 17 with me again. We'll just read it again. As for haughty, not to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. So that's the God on God. The world, we are to put our hope on because he's the rock he's the one that we we can be certain that is the same yesterday today and forever and so build our lives that's Matthew 7 the rich or or the wise and foolish uh, builder one who built his house upon the rock and the other built his house came the one on the rock stood solid while the one on the sand came down with a great crop on him where's your hope Where's your hope? That whenever is whenever, uh, whenever the storm comes, where do you turn? Who do you turn to, or what do you turn to? He, he goes on in the text there that we're to put our hope on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Sometimes we read that and we think, really? But, we're supposed to enjoy everything, aren't we? As Christians, supposed to take up our cross and follow Him and live God's life. Yes, <laughs> be tough, but it is abundant and it is joy him. And he does give us creation. This cre- gives it to us and we can enjoy it. We can. And we don't have to feel guilty about enjoying it. We don't have to feel guilty about going and getting seconds. Or maybe a little bit of guilty about that. But anyway, um, well, it's here to enjoy, but we have to, have to recognize where is our hope and not wrapped in the trappings of, of this world. You see, God, here's what happens. We have a tendency of human beings to abuse those things, hoard those things, even worship those things. Or things we get, the harder it is, and I think that's probably... But it's hard for a rich person. But anything's possible. 
he goes on to say. It's difficult. We can get wrapped up in the things of this world so easily. I think that's probably why Jesus talked about money and finances more than anything, because he knows our heart. So place your hope in God. The second thing that he says is in verse 18 when he tells us to do good. There's many in this world that do bad. Matter of fact, I, I would say everybody who's uh, uh, listened bad probably done bad today. I know the guy talking to you right now. I'm I'm a do bad guy. I, I we, we we're all sinners, right? <laughs> and we have to be told to do good. Sad that we have to be reminded. Well, what does being good look like? To be rich in good works, and to be generous and ready to share. Good looks like, number one, being rich in good works. So we, we love the idea, but, but here he says, no, you also need to be, you need to be rich in, to others, meeting the needs of others. I, I love the message I got, Facebook message I got yesterday. Somebody found out about a need of, of, of a lady and uh, got four grandkids that were just basically dropped on her. And the lady who messaged me said, I, I want to help, and, and so we're trying to figure that out. And and seeing if we can, how we can help that family. I, I love that. We need to be rich in good work, serve others, help others whenever they're in need. He goes on to be generous. That's really what we're talking about today. Ended is the mindset that we're going for. What's my funnel mindset? And listen, generosity isn't just, generosity is for everyone. Maybe a widow came in and she brought her mite, the widow's mite, offering. And Jesus made a comment. He didn't go to her and that. No, he commended her to the disciples and said, she gave more than all the rest. They gave out of, her, out of their abundance. She gave all she had. She was the most the same time. We're all called to be there. At the end, it says, and ready to share. Some, some ver- now, well, that sounds kind of weird. Uh, the word that's used there is the same word that's used over in Acts 2.42 when it talks about that the disciples had everything. In. Some versions here translate it communicate, but the idea is common that they would be willing to share with anyone generously. And he calls makes a difference in the lives not to do, we're commanded what to do. And then he gives us some promises. Let's look at verse 19. As we're doing these things and not doing those things, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that of that which is truly life. And we do what God has called us to do, and what Paul has led us to do, commanded us to do here. We can expect a return than any return you're going to get on investment in this world. Number one, expect a future treasure. We need to expect a future treasure. When we do good, when we give generous, storing up treasure for our eternal future. Yeah. There's a story about William Borden. He was part of the Borden Dairy. All right, this is early 1900s. And he was in line to become the heir of a fortune. When he graduated from high school, his parents sent him on a worldwide cruise to go cruise the world, see the world. And it was during that time that his number of lost people in the world, and God spoke to his heart, a decision that he wanted to go into mission work. 
own monies that he had, literally hundreds of thousands of dollars to, to missions work. He went to Yale to get his education, to prepare in the gospel and, and reaching people and, and made a huge difference. Cairo, Egypt, where he was going to study Arabic so that he could then reach the Muslim people. Actually, in China is where he was wanting to go. But just a couple of months, he became very ill, spinal meningitis, and died. The day that he wasted his life, all that money, all that time. But if you go to his grave, there's a picture of it there. If you go to his grave today, it's just on a little back alley there in Cairo. And under a, there's a description of his, of his life and, and his faith, what he had done. But underneath that, there's this one line, and it just says this, apart from explanation for such a life. I think that's a great statement. Apart from faith in Christ, why would anyone give up the family for go to Cairo, get sick, and die? Unless Jesus is a part of the equation. Christ had his heart. Not too far from his grave there in Cairo, uh, where there is a very elaborate uh, display for King Tut, the boy king, buried. Uh, he was buried with, of course, the, you are buried with, you can take with you into the afterlife. And so he was buried, carried inside of a golden tomb that was inside of another golden tomb. And all this gold to the afterlife. Well, do you know what happened? 1922, guess what was there? All the gold. He didn't take it with him. I don't take that with us. You look at these two young at one say he's successful, he was unsuccessful, he was, you know. One is in eternal misery. One had a treasure waiting for him. Treasure when we live a generous life that God's called us to. We can also expect a better life now. It's not all about you know, our eternal future, uh, the blessing, but they can be experienced now. He says there, put forth the effort. When we strive to live out what we're called to, to be generous, we have a promise that's empty, just focused on stuff, but a life that has me with hope, a life with joy, not dependent upon our circumstances, not a life that's bound up in this race to accumulate more toys, a life where we're a funnel and not a bucket the cause to take hold of that kind of a life. I believe that how we use our money is a discipleship issue. issue. Again, I believe that's why Jesus talks, because he knew, he knew the heart of man. Some of you, even right now, listening to this message, you're uncomfortable, and you're, some are already angry because the preacher's talking about money again, you know? But what's inside of you that's driving those emotions? It seems like there's a progression in our spiritual walk when it comes to our giving. It begins with a transactional giving mindset. It's just God gave to me, so I'm going to... Or there's the other side of it. I'm going to give to God so that He'll give back to me. And so many begin with that transcend the church. When they see the church and know the church gives, that, that's kind of their... Get more back. And so we begin there, maybe. 
but it moves from there as we grow in our faith to a relational giving mindset. My relationship with Him, I want to give to Him. I want to give to His work to, to reaching more people. And so we move to this relational giving. Some even grow past that to sacrificial giving where it goes way beyond a tithe. I've known of people that have even done a reverse tithe. They, they have 10% and give away 90% of their income. I don't know where you're at in that track. And I'm going to give so I can get. I'm, maybe you're in relational. I, I know some of you I know are in sacrificial, giving way above and beyond. I know that we're called to grow in that area of our life and to become more and more. Maybe the question is, what's, what's your next step when it comes to your generosity? Uh, we talked about was just recognizing the whole idea that everything that we have, we breathe, is on loan from Him. This body, this shell that we're living while we're in the, on this planet, living this life on this journey that we're on, loan from Him. He owns it all. Maybe that's where it needs to start. Nothing you have has been get a hold of. Maybe you need to deal with personal. Maybe it's this accumulation. You just are trying to fill up your bucket with that and understand that. When it comes to giving, maybe they're the first time, maybe some of you have never done that, and we encourage you to give, and we kind of your income, uh, we encourage you to do that, and I would encourage you to take that step and take that challenge to, to God. You say, well, that's, isn't that law? You know, we're not legalistic. No, no, no. 10% seems to be what was on the heart of man way before there was ever a law. We go back to the very beginning of time Adam and Eve it was on their heart to give 10% before there was ever a law and that's why we start with that here I'll tell you to go further than just a tithe but I'd, I'd say give con consistently not just once here not just special times of the year tithe to God and over and above a follower of Christ I know he's leading you to take one of those steps and not to get wrapped up in the things of this world but to be generous. Not, but when you see the needs of others around you, be generous. This is uh, at, at, at First Church. Uh, um, I'll just, uh, our last quarter was uh, a good quarter, one of the best quarters we've had in three years. Um, for the year, uh, we're, we're behind budget-wise. We're on a trajectory. By the end of the year, we'll be <clears throat> But I don't want to... My call and challenge to you, the church, strong. Let's end strong so that we can then begin 2018 strong. We have a few needs, things that we've been putting back. We have a camera, a camera that goes to all three campuses. And I can't have a TV up here because I can't get a new camera. <laughs> you know, it's like, ah, I love it up here anymore. It's not because I didn't like it. It's, I, the camera won't focus right. Little things like that. We want to end this year strong. And this message is not all, I'm not trying to coerce you into giving more so that we can buy a new camp. But I want us to end this year strong because I believe we're about to embark on a new season of ministry. Because we've been praying for a long time for God to do great things at first. And I think he's about to. Let's end this year strong. And a generous person makes a difference in the lives of others. That's our statement today. A generous church makes a difference in this world. And this church is making a difference. Father in heaven.
God, open our whole idea of generosity. Uh, God, help us beyond the things of this world, but only hold tightly to you. Help us to put our hope in you. You are our great God. And there is nothing else, no one else, of us founding our life upon. God, we thank you for being our great God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Stand one more time and worship together. Thank you.